Welcome to the Calvary Family Ministry Podcast. Our goal is to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Our hope is to support, encourage, and equip both parents and families with practical words and stories from the Bible, but also people in our community as well. Our hope is also that through this podcast, you would feel more connected, not just to Calvary, but to the God of all creation. Well, hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, My name is Jen Stute. I'm the director of Bridge Disability Ministries here at Calvary. I have some awesome guests with me today, um, and so we're so glad you're here. You know, school has started for many students. We have gotten back into the back-to-school rhythm here, and there's new routines and new rhythms that your children are learning at school, or whether they're hybrid, whether they're virtual, or whether they're in school uh, learning, or whether you've chosen to homeschool this year. And this is a great time to pause and think through your child's age, your child's stage, the type of um, schooling that you've chosen, and think about how you can be intentional about setting up an environment that matches those needs so that you and your child or children can be set up best for success as they enter into this school year. So we're really excited to talk about that topic today. And I have two guests with me. My first guest is Mike DeCaro. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your history or your some background information about you as a teacher, as an administrator, and a little bit about you. Sure. So I'm in my 11th year of teaching eighth graders. I've taught eighth graders at a couple of different schools, and um, I also have four years experience of being an assistant principal for students from fifth grade to eighth grade. So that's kind of my area of expertise, I guess you could say. And you know, to top that off, I have an eighth grader and a fifth grader in my own home, two girls. And um, so living that life both at school and at home a bit. That's amazing. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. It sounds like you have a wealth of knowledge from all those years of, of teaching and administration and even in your own parenting. So thank you so much. And we also have Kelsey Suter who's with us. And Kelsey, tell us a little bit about you. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I am entering my seventh year of teaching. This is my fifth year teaching fifth grade. It's my golden number. And I will head back into the classroom virtually um, in Souderton in November. I just had a little baby girl in July and she is almost two months old. And then I have a two-year-old as well. So I am excited to be here as well. Awesome. Thank you for coming. And Mike, today was your very first day back, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So are you exhausted? A little bit exhausted, a little bit different, Um, you know, different experience. We have kids, we have kids virtual, we have kids who are there full time. And, you know, it was a good balance, had an opportunity to, um, to experience it, you know, with kind of both areas that we're going to talk about today and saw some really neat positives for both of those. So excited to talk about those too. Well, that's awesome. You have firsthand, very fresh knowledge of what this looks like from an actual classroom experience. So thank you for doing this, uh, even when you just went back today. That's amazing. Um, So we're going to jump right in. We're going to talk a little bit about, um, we're going to go through different ages of kids, different schooling, um, from preschool to elementary, middle schoolers and high schoolers, and talk a little bit about how to organize our environments, how to organize materials and tasks, their social needs, 
time and time management and then other things that you should keep in mind as parents um, as you think through the ages and stages of your kids currently and what they actually need headed into the school year. We absolutely acknowledge that this topic is a giant topic that we could do a podcast on every single age and stage and kind of dive down and zero in on, you know, time and time management for just a middle schooler and what that looks like. And having been a sixth grade teacher, I know that that can be a whole long conversation and a really awesome topic to dive into. But today our goal is just to give you some food for thought, some tricks, some ideas, some, um, some thoughts about how you can think through um, how to set your year up for success. So Kelsey, I know you um, have taught elementary school and I know uh, you have younger kids. What are some ideas or some thoughts that you have about what parents should be thinking through as they enter into this season? Yeah, so the first thing I think about is no tears. So especially for those little ones, um, you really are the calm in their life. They have been with you for six months at home now. And so not adding more chaos and more questions to their um, their already busy little minds and worlds, I think is really important going into this next stage. My two-year-old went off to school this week, a couple of days a week, and just being very positive about it, encouraging her to like take a little animal or something that she can connect with that reminds her of home, reading books with her ahead of time, and then not asking those hard questions about were people wearing masks around you and things like that where it might draw attention to things that she's not even aware of because she really doesn't know any different. And so if you have kids going back at the preschool level, you really want to just encourage them, be their support, let them express their frustration um, if they're heading back into a physical classroom. I think those are, those are amazing things to remember. And when you say no tears, you're talking about, you know, parents not adding that emotional energy and parents not bringing extra energy to that conversation too. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I think it's both. I think, you know, you have to process as a parent away from your child. I think that really goes for every level as well and not crying as you drop your kid off as best as you can. I mean, they've been home with us for so long, but also not having the tears for them. So, you know, my daughter really struggled at drop off and their rule is like no lobbies in the building. And I just asked, can she bring this little cat in? And they were fine with it. So working with the teachers and saying, hey, this is what's gonna work for my family. And how can you help support us as we go through this transition together? Um, I think is really important because these are like little ones. I mean, we're talking under five. So most of their world that they remember is home with you. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've even seen parents, you know, uh, have a little sticker that they wear on their shirt or draw a little heart on their hand. If, if the parent's comfortable with that, um, as they've entered their first day of school or as they've adjusted to that. So I think those are those are awesome things to consider. What about their social needs or their physical needs? Preschoolers love to move. So what would you, what would you recommend in terms of their social needs, their physical needs, and even how their, their ability to, to sustain attention, whether they're in school in your home or they're actually going to a preschool in person? Yes. So these little ones love to move our bodies and we need to make sure that we're supporting them with that. So as an 
elementary teacher. Uh, for little ones, you would try and block out every 15 to 20 minutes, moving, getting them up, moving from the carpet to their desk, to the playground, wherever you're going. And so if you're looking at preschool, kindergarten, even first grade, I mean, these first graders that are coming into our new school year, I mean, they lost almost half of their kindergarten year last year in a regular school environment. And so you really want to make sure that they are that you're not expecting too much of them, that you're trying to get their bodies moving every 15 minutes or so. Whether you have a little jar that's a brain break jar and you like pick out a popsicle stick and they can do some jumping jacks or run around or you take them out on the swings after you do an activity. And it sounds very daunting to break your day up for activities for 10 to 15 minutes, but really just decreasing the expectations, especially over the next three to four weeks, will set you and your child up for success. Yeah. I love that. I love that. To really be intentional with how you're setting your expectations as they're adjusting to these new environments, as you're adjusting to the new normal, if they're in your home, those are, um, those are really important things to keep in mind. Is there anything that we should be keeping in mind for those older elementary kids? Yes. So same kind of thing with, you know, keeping your expectations low over the next couple of weeks. I am on maternity leave, but have been in the building this week. I have been noticing um, that teachers are really planning very few activities academically wise for the next couple of weeks and just focusing on bringing calm back into school, normalizing things that we can the best that they can do and finding out where students are academically and mentally, things like that. So one way that you can do this if you're at home virtually with your child is making sure that you're building in enough breaks again. And for first grade, it's realistic for them at the beginning of a school year to read for independently less than 10 minutes. And so working up their stamina, talking to them about hey, we're going to sit here and I want you to read for 10 minutes next to me. It might be exhausting at first and you're holding their hand through everything, but that's what teachers do in the classroom is we are there to hold their hands through every part of the day. So if you're at home with your child, I just want to encourage you to, it's going to be exhausting and we're doing the best that we can in the classroom to do that as well. And all the way up through fifth grade, I would say as a fifth grade teacher, I wouldn't expect my kids to be able to sit for more than 25 minutes when they come back to me after summer. So building in those brain breaks again is going to be huge. I know in Souderton, they're working on screen breaks if you're virtually. And so getting that time where you're not looking at the screen anymore is huge. Getting outside, if possible, listening to lessons outside would be wonderful. And as a parent, it's really finding out how your child learns best. That sounds so simple and so silly, um, but a lot of times we project and expect our kid to be just like us because that's what we know. So when I first started my teaching career, I knew that I could not have my students learn the same way that I had previously taught them. I was actually looping with them and I was sitting on the floor paying my bills the one Saturday thinking about how much my dad would hate the way that I pay the bills and thinking about the way that my dad sat with his computer and his filing system 
drove me crazy to think about. And I realized that one thing I could help parents learn is their kids are going to be very different child to child. And you know that, but how they learn can be very different as well. And so how they learn for writing might be different for how they learn for math or for reading. And so taking the time, asking your child, how can I best support you in this area is going to be huge, especially in the first couple of weeks as you start learning how they are more as a learner. Kids are going to be overwhelmed and they are going to be overstimulated, especially if they are coming back from school in the physical location and they have a lot to process. And so bringing that calm and not adding chaos and not bringing things up that they don't bring up to you that you might be worried about um, because you don't want to project those fears and those concerns and those worries because then they don't know how to process your big emotions and you might actually see like a regression in certain areas. So for first grade, you want to make sure that you are getting them moving, whether they're at home with you or even if they're coming home from school, you want to make sure that they're getting like right outside. And I would say that's for every grade really. And then if you're comfortable socially trying to get them together with friends after school, limiting their screen time, I would hate for my students to have to go home and sit in front of a computer after they've been in front of a computer. So trying to get them to put the devices down, taking that time as a family to get outside, talking with other friends and family that you're comfortable with and meeting up so that you can keep those social connections going since a lot of that's not happening as intentionally in the classroom as we're used to. That's amazing. Thank you, Kelsey. That was a great overview for elementary for us. I think for my own children, my kids are going into second and sixth grade this year. Uh, I found that when they get off of the bus, if they're in in in-person learning as my kids were last year, getting them a snack and sending them outside is, is one of the best things you can do for, at least for my family, for our elementary kids. Mike, uh, I think we should talk a little bit about middle school now. I taught sixth grade for many years. I love those middle schoolers. As I said, we, I have elementary school kids and a, and a budding middle schooler uh, who's just about to go back. Uh, but Mike, what are some things we should keep in mind when it comes to our middle school friends? Sure. I think the first thing to talk about a little bit is whether they are at home doing virtual or whether they're in school, their social environment is still going to be different they're still going to need that social interaction. Those students who might talk to their friends a lot in class or in the hallways, it's different, you know, having seen it for only one day, you know, where the the amount of student volume in the lunchroom, in the hallways, even in the classroom is a lot less. So that those hours that you think that might be socialization are much more students trying to be concerned or conscientious about the roles of what a student is supposed to do in school during this COVID pandemic or what they're supposed to do to please their teachers or their administrators or other or even what other kids are expecting. So it's a learning experience for them. They'll still need some social interaction at home, you know, with their friends as Kelsey and 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 you talked about Jen. I think that that's an important thing to keep in mind for sure. And socialization is such an important thing for middle schoolers, right? That, how, that social interaction is so, so important to them. And so I think that's, an, that's really great that you highlighted that they will 
they will need additional social interaction when they when they get home. How about anything else that you have as it relates to time or time management or setting up your middle schooler for success as it relates to setting up those those breaks or pace of learning, anything like that? Sure. I think the virtual world is a challenge where I think what I would do, you know, if I had a child at home and what I think might work best for you know, many students would be to try to keep them on a schedule that rep- that resembles the actual school schedule as much as you can. They'll like that predictability, they'll like that routine, and plus you have a schedule that as a parent, you don't have to be the bad guy. You know, this is what your school schedule would look like. You can still, I think Kelsey's advice is good about additional breaks. I think there is time in the day for that. You know, whether it's a special that they might normally have, whether it's a lunchtime that you extend just a little bit, I think those are all good things. You know, a small thing too is just making sure that when you're um, when you're following up with your child, right? I think it's more important to be concerned about whether they're on task than looking at the quality of the assignment. I think that the freedom that you can allow your child, in many cases, to get that feedback from their teacher, I think is good. I think the the pressures of keeping my online calendar, going through all my learning management software, being able to make sure that I'm communicating with my teacher appropriately, I think is a big challenge for students. And I think that having the teacher take a look at the content might be a little bit better for your student academically, but also relationally between the the child and the parent. I think it's a good thing as well. Yeah, I think that that's uh That's a really good tip. Parents of middle schoolers often try to figure out what their role looks like. And some, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's very helpful, Mike, for parents who are trying to figure out what type of supervision would actually um, be helpful. And I loved your comment, your thought about the school schedule. What could that look like practically? Would you write that out? Uh, If you were doing virtual learning, like what would that look like if you were, if you were trying to think through that as a parent? Yeah, I think writing it out is a great thing. I think a lot of schools probably have it posted or what their schedule would would, would have been or what, what it looks like. And I think you can have the freedom to be a little bit flexible with that too, depending on your child. You know, you might need an extra break in the morning. They might really work well in the morning and that extra break might be in the afternoon. But having some routine where they're spending a certain amount of time with each class organizes them and it helps you kind of be able to check in and you know the schedule as well as a parent, again, for the productivity, not necessarily for the, for the academic result. Yeah, I think that's really important. At the middle school level and, and beyond, we also often have the ability to check on our, our kids' grades and our, their uh, turning in of work virtually or on our online platforms. Talk a little bit about what is a reasonable expectation for parents to use the the grade books or the um, logging into the online software to take a look at how their child's progressing? Sure. I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot of different approaches. And I think a healthy one is not to check it every day, not to check it every hour, not to check it 20 minutes after your child has taken a test. I think that's unhealthy for everyone. That builds anxiety as, as Kelsey talked about, and you talked about with no tears, you know, with the elementary students. I think too much emphasis on that too often brings about a lot of um, unnecessary conflict in the family. I think that um, grades get swayed pretty early in the marking period. If a student does bad on one assignment, their grade might look like a 40% 
and that would send off all kinds of alarms for me as a parent, right? And I'm no different. I care about my child's grades a lot, but, you know, one assignment isn't the end of the world. You know, you want to find out what happened maybe and talk about the learning and make sure that, that that's known for the test that might come after that. But I think the healthy approach with the grades is once, twice a week at the most. Maybe that's a Friday thing that you check the grades. Or maybe that's a Tuesday, Friday, where you're checking twice a week. Anything more than that, I think you run into a danger of affecting your own well-being as a parent as much as your child's also. Yeah, sure. And that also lets our teachers have some time to update those grades. What about high school? Are there any other areas in high school, whether it be social or the way that you set up the academic environment at home or pacing and time management that you think is important for us to touch on today? Um, For those parents who have high schoolers, how do they continue to uh, allow them to have some more independence, to take on some more ownership of the learning that they're doing? What does that look like, whether they're going back to school in the classroom or doing virtual or hybrid in this season? Yeah, I think think it definitely is different than middle school there. I think there's a little bit more of a, almost like an agreement or kind of like, not necessarily a written contract, but what are, as a parent, what are your non-negotiables? What are the things that you need to see? For example, for me, as a parent, I would want to, I would want to be consistent about when is the time that you're getting started with your day here at home? When is the time that we're going to shut it down? Because going too much after 10 or 11 o'clock at night, or, you know, having those hours where you're sleeping till 10 or 11 in the morning are really going to create long periods of unproductive time. So maybe you guys, you know, the parent and the child agree to something like, hey, by 8.30, we're going to be up and going in our work and we're not going to do any work after nine o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night. It just, it eliminates some of the stress of waiting to do it or when a child says, I'm going to do this work later, you have a time where you know where later is going to be or you're not worried about when is my child going to wake up in the morning and start their work, you know? And I think that, Coming to an agreement that, you know, or an understanding that both of you can work with, I think is, is something that'll be really, really helpful for everybody's sanity in the house. Yeah, I think that's really, that's really important. Are there any tips and tricks, anything that you think that we should be considering as parents that would be good for all ages and all stages as we consider preschool all the way up through high school, things that we should keep in mind in this season as we start back to school with this new normal this year? So the first thing I think of is to keep everything simple. If you have a new workout program that you want to do as an adult and you make it really complicated, you're never going to achieve it. So for your students, whether they're going back into the classroom or whether they are home with you, keeping your routines simple, concise, things that just naturally make sense to them, I think are going to help all of you set up for success. I think Mike's comment about having that schedule, that predictability is awesome. For the younger kids, if you're posting that so they can see, you know, this is what comes next. They might not be able to read the words, but having a picture that goes with it will be huge for them. And I also think that thinking about what are your expectations, and I just saw this thing about, like, who are your expectations set up to serve and why? And why do you care about these areas and these expectations? 
So like Mike had talked about with the schedule, you don't want your child up till 2 a.m. and it's very unpredictable. That is an expectation. That's a non-negotiable, you care about that. Do you really care about what color socks your child is wearing in the morning for virtual or in-person school? So I think just making sure that when you have these expectations of what you want your day to look like, that you think about, are these things that are going to set up to serve my family? And are these things that I really care about? And lastly, I just want to add that we're all in this together and every teacher is figuring this out with you. And if you don't know what is expected for in person and virtual learning, then ask, ask your child's teacher, ask their administrator, say, I'm confused how it is expected for them to do blank or is it realistic that my child is sitting for this long at the beginning of the year? Reach out to me even, and I'm happy to help work with you to figure some of that out because as a fifth grade teacher, I don't expect my boys and girls to sit for more than 20 minutes, but you might be expecting your child to sit for 40 and you wouldn't necessarily realize that. Awesome. Mike, any other thoughts? Sure. I think you know, along with those structures and things like that, I think what you're going to find is this is a little bit of trial and error too. Allow yourself to be imperfect. Allow your child to be imperfect. There's going to be some mistakes, but let's try to learn from them and move forward. And, um, you know, one verse that really came to my heart as we were thinking about this podcast and just thinking about my kids in school in general is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that peace of God that transcends understanding is really important right now. You know, and I think we're all looking for that as we um, make decisions about schooling, as we make decisions about um, all kinds of things during this, this difficult time. And, and the more that we trust God, the more that we uh, pray, the more that we ask him for help in these areas, I think the the better that we'll feel about our decisions too. Yeah, I, I love that verse. I love that verse, Mike. Um, someone said to me this week, you know, our, our teachers and our administrators, our parents are uh, building the plane as they learn to fly the plane. And so we're doing, we're, we're doing this day by day, trying to figure out the next best thing uh, as these decisions are ever changing and, and the, the plans are ever changing. And so um, it's really important, I think, to keep an open mind, to be flexible. And every day is a new day. You know, we're all in this together. We're all trying to figure out this new normal together. And so to give each other that, that help and that grace um, that we're all, we're all trying to do the best we can in a very new type of learning for many of us. Parents, I, I want to encourage you that you know your child. You've made these decisions about how you're going to enter into schooling this year. And so I encourage you in this next uh, set of couple of weeks to continue to think flexibly, to continue to turn to each other and ask for help. Um, everyone is, is trying to figure out uh, what's best for their family and what the next best thing to do for their, their family is. And so stay flexible try new things and adjust that plan if it needs to be adjusted. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to listen to our podcast. If you'd like to get connected, there are a couple ways you can do that. 
There's a Facebook group, Calvary Families, which we'd love for you to join. Or you can send us an email. Our email address is family at calvary-church.com. We'd love to hear from you. Dealing got it bumping. Hey!